The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 Seven four two zero. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. So still lots of chatter about uh, inflation and certainly pending interest rates. Does this have people feeling a little jittery, do you think? Well, that half percent increase we saw last week, it's it wasn't unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like saying there's going to be an earthquake. There's going to be an earthquake. And everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually it does happen. And it's there. And yeah. so now what do we do? And so that's kind of what happened with interest rates. They, they knew it was coming. They didn't possibly expect that much. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of leaked that it would be a half percent. And now you're starting to see a little bit of the fallout. You're starting to see a little bit of weakness in the sales of real estate. People are actually putting their houses up for sale and not selling them in hours anymore. Mm. Um, so you are in, in certain areas, not all areas. It's kind of, it's coming down to where is the location good now, which really didn't seem to matter before it could be almost anywhere and it would sell in no time so you things that people you know the buyers are becoming a little bit pickier not much just starting to but i think it's a you know a sign of things to come is really what i think you know it's interesting i don't know how long we've been doing this show now don but i remember when the interest rates plummeted years ago and we were always talking about you know this is temporary this is temporary then the next thing you know the low interest rates became the norm and we stopped speculating about when they were going to rise because that seemed like a decade ago what are you feeling now or is it still impossible to predict but is this the is this the end of those historic low interest rates and i know you can't answer that but what are your thoughts uh, the end, I, I would never say the end, uh, but I would say it's always uh, an arrow in the policymakers' quiver, if you will. They like to have that arrow there in case there's a recession so they can lower interest rates. But if the interest rates are already at the, you know, the lowest point they can, there's no ammunition there. They can't yeah. use it to help the economy. So interest rates are always used as a lever. And, and this, th- you know, this is basically what they're doing now. Plus, really, we follow the U.S., yeah. And inflation is hitting record highs um, for when I say record, I don't mean all time records, but we're talking into the 90s. So 30 Six, years, 6.7 percent uh, this past week. Uh, that's a record. Who? Yeah. Who would have thought yeah, yeah. that goes back a long ways? So possibly into the 80s now. So, yeah. So interest rates go up in um, inflation goes up. They usually go hand in hand. In fact, if anything, inflation is the one wagging the tail and the interest rates are the, you know, are the tail. And Mitch obviously obviously wants to talk about making sure you have enough uh, in your retirement and you don't outlive your money. Yeah, you, you guys bring up great points there. I mean, inflation is a huge de- detriment to long-term plans. And we go through a lot of plans these days and we have a software called Living Plan Portal and you can actually run scenarios that how's your plan going to do if they raise inflation by you can customize it to whatever you want. If you do want to do half percent or you said 6.7, we used to do plans and we would highball inflation. It would be 3%. And it was normally around two. So we were highballing to three, which means all of your expenses and everything you pay for while you're in retirement is going up by 3%. Well, now you're saying it's 6.7. 
that that's huge. That's forcing your investments to either perform significantly better so that you're beating inflation, which you may have to take greater risk to do that, or you're just not going to be able to live as long, or you're going to have to go back to work. You're going to have to find ways to survive that. So regardless, it, sorry, go ahead. And, and Mitch, you know what? We, we go through all those different scenarios. It was interesting. A half percent increasing inflation had a bigger effect than a stock market crash for two years. And um, what was the other one? It, that was a 20% market crash as well. So yes, people are talking, oh, the market's going to crash. The market's going to crash. Well, in the last 100 years, there's been 10 crashes of 10% or more on the S&P. And we did one that was 20%. And just increasing inflation for your plan by half a percent. It, you're right. It was way more. It was the significant of the plan was about 8% difference of probability of success. It was huge. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where you, you know, when we do plans for people on, under the LPP, as Mitch was mentioning, we take a, all of these what ifs, we add the what ifs and inflation is one of the big what ifs, which is rearing its ugly head right now. Yeah. And regardless how far you are from retirement, there's, there's one main goal you should be working towards and that's saving enough so you don't outlive your money. There, there's no exact science for figuring out how exactly how much money you're going to need to accomplish your goal. Real, the reality is there's no magic retirement savings number. There used to be a commercials and say, okay, this is my number. I got a million bucks, one, five, 500,000. Each, everyone's different and everyone has different expenses, different things that they're trying to achieve. And uh, it comes up to everyone's different circumstances, lifestyles. And that's why you need a good retirement plan to be prepared for the certainty of today, as well as the uncertainty of tomorrow. I mean, how there's been so many different things come up in the last few years that no one could have predicted, whether that's COVID or with Russia and Ukraine right now. And Ron Carson at Carson Wealth, he had a pretty interesting comparison for retirement planning, is trying to hit a moving target in the wind. Uh, the target is our goals our individual desires and what you want to accomplish in retirement. The target is moving because we don't know our life expectancy. No one knows that. So we don't know how long we're going to need our money to last. And the wind is all the factors that might change on the way into retirement. There's always going to be lots changing in lives and the keys to update your financial plan with it. And that's why on our team, we're constantly updating plans before retirement, during retirement and towards the end of life. So it's always consistently changing. And that's why it's called a living plan. It's breathing and changing with you the whole time. Uh, so no one can compare you for those curveballs that may come your way. Uh, like I mentioned, those prime examples last year of Ukraine, Russia, and COVID, no one could have predicted that. And that's why it's important to have a solid retirement plan in place. You can withstand and adjust to those unexpected changes and events. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, we mentioned that the inflation change of half a percent uh, was bigger impact in a market crash. That's just one way that we stress test our plans. You can also increase living longer. So we we put in life expectancies of 95 for all of our all of our clients. We want to make sure that everyone's going to live to 95 and still be okay because the average life expectancy right now is actually around 85 for females in Canada and actually 81 for males, which the, the difference was huge. I couldn't believe it was that difference, but still an 83 average life, life expectancy for Canadians here. And that, you have, that you're just going to have to live longer. And about one out of two in that couple will likely live over 90. So at least one of you is going to have to live over 90 and make those funds last longer. And the last thing anyone wants to do is have to go back to work when you're 90 or your health <laughs> may be deteriorated. And uh, Scott, how do you feel about going back to work at 90? 
I don't know. I have this ambition to wear one of those uh, blue vests and stand out in front of Walmart and just say, over there, over there, follow the flashing blue light. I can do that. I can do that until I'm 90. Just give me a chair. <laughs> it is kind of funny. And again, funny inside, if those people obviously want to do that, fantastic. But if they have to do it, that's a different story. And that's where, you know, we often see somebody and think, you know what? I wonder how their financial plan is. Is it is it they're volunteering more or less to get them out of the house or is this something they need to to make that month's rent? So, yeah. And again, we do not want to run out of money and inflation. Just to go back to inflation for a sec, Mitch, you know, we went through this. I was actually kind of you know, surprised. It was a bigger factor. If you had a one percent reduction in your rate of return was less important than a half percent increase in inflation. And so he goes through all these what ifs and all of a sudden this certain, certain ones you think, wow, that's a, that's a big impact. So obviously we don't believe that inflation is going to be here to stay that long, but you can see how this is a major impact for retirees. We're fortunate that OAS, Old Age Security and Canada Pension Plan are indexed with inflation, but they haven't indexed yet. They didn't go up 6% last year. That might happen. They'll see what the year is at the end and they'll do an, you know, some, some increase there, but I doubt it will be 6%. It's fascinating you should say that, Don, because just today uh, I'm looking at my email and I've got two emails from listeners who are on fixed incomes and who are now really feeling the pinch of inflation. And it's, it's starting to, to really resonate with people uh, how much of an impact this is going to have. And the key is to have a proper financial plan, review it and go through this LPP, as Mitch is discussing. Yeah, the LPP, the Living Plan Portal, it's a great new software that us at IG are utilizing right now. And those situations that we mentioned, they're, they're literally called what-if scenarios on our plan. And changing the inflation, living longer, one of your spouses passes away, and you can show if one of these happen or if all four of them happen. You can go total worst-case scenario and see how you do there. And it'll, we can come up with recommendations and apply them on the program, such as making an extra 10000 a year. Maybe you take that part-time job if you need to, or maybe you just take it because you want to. We have lots of clients who are taking part-time jobs, such as uh, working at a golf course or Home Depot or delivery truck, because it's, it keeps them active, first of yeah. all. The health benefits are huge. They, just keeping your brain active, that Freedom 55, if, you're, if the life expectancy is 83 that's 30 years of not keeping your brain active and it's just that that slowly deteriorates over time so not only the health benefits of working but also the financial benefits as well although so, mitch now we do have wordle so that does keep the old brain going a bit <laughs> yeah you you boomers do have wordle you're so right <laughs> hey we're not a boomer i got astrazeneca as the first shot <laughs> yeah, i think that answered it for you right there and how, how many did it take you to this morning scott I'm sorry. What did you say? What were you talking how about? Did, how many did you get it done in this morning? Was it five or six? Uh, six. Ah, uh, yeah, I got done five. There you go. I got lucky. I, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So <laughs> neither I'm do clearly... I. <laughs> <laughs> but the the longer you live, so as I'm mentioning, you don't want to outlive your money here. The longer you live, the more likely you are to face high inflation, market downturns, or or any other sort of crises that are going to really stress test your plan just because of the time that your money has to last. So if, if your money has to last that long, you really need a great financial plan and it has to be completely stress test. You can't just assume I'm going to get that 5% rate of return average. The average inflation is going to be 3% and it's all going to be 
roses and and wordle for the rest of my life so, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, get a proper my. plan make sure that it's stress test and you'll be all good and and look for wordle on that new plan uh we are planning your financial future i'm scott thompson don fox and mitch fox are here from fox group private wealth management you can find out more at donfox.net or call them at ig private wealth management 905-972-7420 gonna take a quick break here we're coming right back You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net and call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 seven four two zero mitch you were talking about making sure that we don't outlive our money and you've got a little bit of a gauge to to give us an example on how we're doing maybe a few years out yeah so i mean everyone wonders like when are you going to retire and what should i be doing at different stages how early is to start planning for retirement what's realistic and just to this is also from uh from ron carson he had some great suggestions here and, and ron carson by the way is a financial planner in the u.s yeah. And he's uh, w- one of the more successful planners. Um, I actually went and saw him out in Utah, I believe it is. And he's done seminars in our industry. And he's a guest speaker many times at many of our conferences for the listeners out there. Yeah. He's got what you should be doing from 10 years from retirement, five and, and one. So I'll start with 10 years from retirement. You've hopefully been putting as much as you can into your TFSA, RSPs or investments through work, such as your RPP or group RSPs. 10 years is the point where you should shift your focus from, from only accumulation and savings to spending expenses and to maintain through retirement. Your life has so far been about saving your income and minimizing income tax to save for retirement. Now you need to start thinking about turning your savings into income. Start getting a clearer picture about what kind of spending you're going to have in retirement and the lifestyle you want to live. Everyone is different. Each plan is different too. Some want to stay in a big house they raised their family in. Others want to move into a new home and maybe a new country altogether. There's no shortage of things to do out there. 10 years away is a great time to start picturing and thinking what the lifestyle you want to be. Once a plan is put in place, you may be short or ahead of your goal. But either way, you'll still have 10 years to get a lot saved and accumulate for your retirement plans. This gives a good leeway for your planner to put together strategies so that you can achieve those goals that you're thinking about and to create the income that you're going to need as well. Five years from retirement, once you're five years from retirement, you'll be entering one of the riskiest periods of your retirement planning. Lasting, lasting until five years into retirement, if you get a bag market returns for your portfolio, suffers a loss right before or just into retirement, you could have to take withdrawals from that portfolio early, which can deplete your funds much sooner than expected. Five years retri- from retirement is a good time to do an income needs analysis by figuring out what you'll need to spend and what income you'll have. So to actually get some firm numbers because you're a lot closer to retirement. This is something to do. We do with all of our plans. We do cash flow analysis and factor in incomes coming in during retirement, whether that's CPP, OAS. Should I delay CPP? Should I take it early? Uh, Most common retirements are happening 60 plus and you can start taking your CPP at 60 years old. So do you want to start taking it early at 60? Should you be taking it at 65 or should you be delaying it? 
these are all things that you should be looking at at around 60 years old once you start getting those CPP notices in the mail. Uh, Don, by the way, you got yours the other day. Yeah, thank, thanks, Mitch, for reminding me. <laughs> I think you got yours before I got mine, Don. You win. Yeah, a few months. A few months. Yes, we did. I, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> One year from retirement. Though your plan's mostly set in stone at there at this point, there are still plenty you can do to solidify and refine it. However, there are still things to avoid so you do not blow up your plan and negate all the hard work you have done for many years building up at this point. With one year to go until you retire, now is the time to start executing your plan. The idea here is to simplify. If you're moving properties, you want to make sure that they're properly titled and that they have beneficiaries you want for your estate planning. Having a properly done will is extremely important, important at this point. You also want to consider what impact your loved ones will face from a liquidity and tax standpoint when you do pass away. So this is a good time to really nail down that will and make sure your beneficiaries on all of your accounts are exactly how you want them to be. In addition to all your finances being planned for, one year before retirement is when you should start considering how you'll phase into retirement. A common occurrence is people will retire and move or relocate. They might want to move all, all out of the area. And they'll find that they're just not satisfied once they actually do that. And it could be too late to move back to where you were before. So maybe a trial error the year before to see how it actually is. So you don't just retire, move, and then it's like, oh, I don't actually like this. I need to change my plan completely. But then you're already out of your job because you retired. So consider <laughs> this a year, a year before that happens, at least instead of a year after you retire. Getting that job back could be tougher than completely uh, retiring. Uh, but there are some huge uh, things to avoid here. And I know Don's got a list of stuff to avoid in terms of planning. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Um, yeah, there's a, avoidable mistakes. And there's several. It starts right at the beginning. If you think about, you know, you, often your parents says, pay down those debts, pay down those debts. You got to pay down the debts first. And I would agree with that, particularly if it's credit cards or something like a money mart or high interest debt. But I would totally disagree that you would put off savings first so that you would pay off your debts. Because to be frank, most people will stay in debt for an awfully long time. And when they pay off one debt, they'll just find another debt and they'll get another debt and then a new car. And I had a, a friend of mine who is now retired, actually, and his dad gave him advice. And his advice was, well, no, son, while you're in debt, your first car you just bought, you're in debt now, enjoy it because you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, he, and there's some truth to that, but uh, he uh, didn't quite follow and he followed all the suggestions I made. And uh, thankfully, all this has worked out quite well for him and he is now retired and doing quite well. But at the end of the day, you need to put some money away. So an example, let's say you had a car and you got a car loan for $30,000 and it was at 5%. And it was going to take seven years to pay this off. So your payment was $4.22 a month. And you think, okay, I got an extra $500 a month left over. What should I do with it? Well, a lot of people would say, I'm just going to add that to my debt, pay that car off early. And you'll get that car paid off in 36 months or three years. And you say, perfect. Three years later, I'm out of, out of debt. And then I'll start saving. And then the other option is, why don't we take that money and take that extra $500 and put that into an RSP? And we'll take the tax savings of, you know, so that's 500 a month, so that's 6,000 a year you'd add to an RFP, $2,600 tax savings at a 43% tax bracket. So you'll take that and apply that to your car loan. Well, it takes a little longer. It takes an extra year and a half to pay off that car. 
But after it's all said and done, your car is paid off in a year and a half, you have $30,000 sitting in an RSP. Now, if you were extremely disciplined and you paid off that car, plus you put the 500 a month away and you put every penny, you put the whole $922 a month back into an RSP and invested the tax savings. So you were basically a robot. And I rarely see these people because once they pay off a car, they generally don't save every penny. But if you did, at the end of the day, um, four and a half years later, you would have 24,000. So even if you did pay off the car early and save the rest after you're done, you still have $6,000 less than if had you used the RSP scenario I, I recommended. Well, I'll say, well, what's the big deal, $6,000? Well, yeah, well, you know, fast forward that 35 years later, that's $64,000 difference at retirement. And these all matter. It's not just that one example, it's a hundred of those examples that make the difference of somebody that's financially independent and that somebody that isn't financially independent. The other part is there's a psychological part of saving money. And once you get the ball rolling, you keep it going. But if you start off three years later, you got your car paid off and you have nothing in investments and there's no bank telling you that you have to put money into investments. There's always banks telling you to make your debt payment. They, they come after you if you make that car loan or that house payment. They will not allow you to say, oh, yeah, I missed, you missed six months. It's okay. No, that doesn't happen. Investments are different. You have to make the, you don't have to make the payment, but it's self-discipline. So psychologically, it, you want to start as early as you can and let the compounding work for you. So that would be mistake number one. Mistake number two, not having a budget. I, I think it was a Disney movie I was watching and it says, if you aim for nothing, you'll likely hit it. <laughs> and there's something about having that financial goal. And, you know, there's so many apps and, and programs that allow you to budget, grab one of those apps quick. And there's so many on, uh, you know, the iPhone or Android where you can just download an app and put in all the different things that you spend money on. And it was a cash flow management is absolutely crucial. Uh, Mitch was talking about previous to retirement. Absolutely. It makes sense all the way through your life to have an idea where you're spending money. But it also makes sense after you retire because now you got to have enough money to maintain that lifestyle. So cash flow is extremely important. So not having a budget. Yes, you can avoid it. Just simply get a budget. Um, <laughs> make a lifestyle, making lifestyle changes. Well, once you make what I mean by this is changing your budget as you have changes to your lifestyle. If you get a pay raise, change your budget. If you have kids, change your budget. If you move, change your budget. This is the problem. People often have a budget. Yeah, I did one of those years ago. Well, since then, that was three houses ago and two kids ago. So it doesn't work anymore. And the nice thing about LPP, it changes as you change. So we want to put in the new data. Um, this, is, uh, this is kind of funny in a way. Is assuming financial security will just happen. I guess I quote, Justin Trudeau, when he says the balance will, the budget will balance itself. And <laughs> this is not, this is so far from the truth. We definitely have to have a goal. We have to have a game plan, a strategy. And when we create a plan, it includes investments, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, and cash flow management. And these are all six pieces are all crucial to have a proper financial plan. And so you, not just the investments as we've talked about before, many people have an investment plan, but 
but a, cert, a CFP, a certified financial planner, will go through all these and make sure your financial planner is a CFP. If he, he, or, if he or she is not, I would look for a second opinion and you certainly can call us. So another mistake is just simply overspending. This also comes back down to budgeting. We often don't, because we don't have a budget, we just simply often just go by feel. And next thing you know, we find ourselves in trouble and we've overspent. And so if you have a bit of a game plan and some really good goals, financial goals, they all often keep you from financial, from uh, overspending. And uh, having an emergency fund. You know, who wants to cash in RSPs because you couldn't make a payment on something? It's nice to have a line of credit or keep a few months expenses in your bank account. At least you have access to funds. You don't want to be that tight where you have a zero way to get money. And the only way you're going to make that credit card payment is the cash and investments that are supposed to be for the long haul. So that's not a great financial plan. So again, give yourself some flexibility there. Uh, number seven, file that tax return late. Do not make that mistake. Do not make the mistake that you're going to file your tax return late. Simple, solve, simple to solve this, file it on time. There's a 5% penalty by filing it late. And I know when I was going to university, I owed tax. I had a fairly good summer job. And I, and, but the thing is, come April, that's the end of the school season. I had no money. I had already spent. I've gone through everything. I was probably thinking I had to go to bank of mom and dad by that time. And I tried everything to avoid that. And all of a sudden, I have to file my income tax. I owe money. Well, where am I going to get this from? I was like, that's probably three weeks of summer job work to pay for this. Anyway, my dad, who is also, he's a, a CA, a chartered accountant, he said, you got to file it to avoid a 5% penalty. The thoughts of owing $1,000 and then paying another $50 to the government when you $50 is a lot of money in university made me file it on time. You still file it. They'll send you a bill for the amount you owe. And then... That comes, sure, they charge interest, but it's a lot less than the 5% penalty. They're going to charge you the interest anyway. Just avoid that 5%. Uh, number eight, giving money to the kids too early. And you listen carefully on this one, Mitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. Yeah, yeah, this is the mistake. Do not give your money to your kids too early. This is, again, all comes down to planning. And I've come across people that are, really generous, really want to help with their kids or grandkids. And, and probably the best example is a cottage. And they're thinking, well, I can avoid that capital gain. It's only going to get bigger. I might as well just pay the capital gain now. Well, there's a couple things wrong that could be wrong. Again, this is all, every, every individual is different on this. If you can afford to, it might make sense. But I always, I never like to pay the government before I have to. And let's say you had a million two cottage, which is kind of normal these days. Uh, might be on the low side actually, and uh, and you had you bought it for two hundred thousand. That means you have a million dollar capital gain. Well, that means five hundred that's taxable, and you could literally end up giving the government two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So if you sold the cottage, give it to the kids. In fact, you're not actually selling. When you sell it to the, give it to the kids, they're not usually often giving you any money. You still have to come up with two hundred fifty thousand dollars to pay the tax. So you better at least get the 250 from the kids to pay the tax. But there's just so many things that could go wrong. And the biggest one is, is that might be your lifeline. So if you run out of other sources, you always have the cottage to fall back on that you can maybe sell to them later. And you can also, if it's planned properly, spread the capital gain over five years, 
and it has to be sold at fair market value to the kids. But you, so that $500,000 capital gain could be $100,000 a year for five years. Spreads the gain over a little bit. Maybe it helps uh, 50000 per spouse. It maybe avoids the old age security clawback. There's so many ramifications when somebody simply says to you, you know what, I'm going to sell the cottage and just give it to the kids. It sounds easy. Then you start digging deeper and says, well, will you run out of money? What about inflation? What about the tax bill? Do the kids really want it? You know, there's so many other things. So big topic. And that's another one. And again, here are basically eight points you should speaking should speak to your financial planner about depending on your stage in life and what is the best solution for your particular situation. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net and you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All you have to do is look up and see lots of uh, people flying around, planes everywhere, where in the last couple of years, the skies have been pretty much empty. We're certainly hearing of the situation with Sunwing and and their problems trying to get people on the planes. Uh, And this is an interesting topic, Mitch. Mitch, When when things go wrong with flights, what are your rights? What do you do at times like this? And there is just a shortage of airline employees slowing things down. Yeah. And the knowledge of rights is it's very low. Personally, I didn't know a bunch of rights either. And the airlines, they're just, they don't want to give you exactly what you should be getting. They like to negotiate right out of the bat, no matter what, uh, or just not give it to you in general, which is absolutely crazy. But you, you, you nailed it with the planes. There's so many going around all the time. And it seems like I see everyone on social media traveling these days. So traveling's picking up steam with this pandemic coming to a close. Uh, it's only natural that flights are going to be delayed, canceled, or rescheduled. The airline's still looking to get all those planes out of uh, all their all their staff fully back. Uh, there's so many factors to this, and many people are used to this uh, as they traveled a lot before. But maybe it's been a few years, and they just don't remember what they were supposed to do, what their rights are, what they were supposed to get, or they just started traveling now because, you know, like I mentioned before, people were close to retirement and now they haven't been able to travel for two years, and now they're maybe they're in retirement and they want to start getting away. They don't know their rights. So there are hundreds, as you mentioned with Sunwing, there are hundreds, uh, hundreds or there's actually a thousand Canadians, over a thousand stranded in Can- Cancun and other ports as they deal with their uh, net- network system-wide failures, which is just another factor that comes into play if you travel. Um, at what point are passengers entitled to compensation for delays or cancellations of their flights? If a flight is delayed for more than three hours for an issue that is within the carrier control and is not a safety issue, such as an oil leak, for example, then the passengers are entitled to compensation. The law holds the airline liable for expenses or damages caused by the delay of passengers unless the airline can show it has taken reasonable measures to prevent what happened. So what kind of compensation are passengers entitled to? Compensation to passengers differ, uh, it differs depending upon if you take a large carrier or a small one. 
So when booking a flight, that may be something you want to consider. If you do take a smaller airline, the risk of being delayed or canceled can end up actually costing you more to your trip. The big airlines such as Air Canada, British Airways, uh, or American Airlines, United, you name it, uh, are going to be paying out more. This could be a consideration if you're looking at an airline such as Swoop or Flair and they have those low uh, airline costs compared to those big carriers. So with a large carrier, passengers are entitled to $400 for a delay of three to six hours. For a delay of six to nine hours, you're entitled to $700. And for a delay longer than nine hours, you're entitled to $1,000. For small carriers, it is $125 for a delay of three to six hours, $250 for a delay of six to nine hours, and $500 for a delay of over nine hours. So with these delays constantly happening these days, and in many cases, the carriers fall because of staffing, like you mentioned there, Scott, saving that extra $100, $200 to go from Air Canada to Swoop could actually end up costing you more money on your trip. For example, if you pay $500 for an Air Canada flight and you're delayed three hours, you're going to get $400 back for your inconvenience. And your net cost is going to be $100 for that flight. If you pay $300 for Swoop and you're delayed three hours, you're going to get $125 back and your net cost will end up being $175, which is almost double what you're going to be paying for that Air Canada flight. And just to go on the other side there, if it's delayed for nine hours or more for that $500 flight, you're actually going to get $500 back it's, uh, because you're going to get $1,000. So your net cost is actually going to be $500 in your pocket. But if you fly with Swoop, it's going to be breaking even and your net cost is going to be zero because you're going to get five, you're going to get five, 250 back. So the difference is actually $500 there. And so it's something that should be considered if you're, if it's only $50 or hundred dollar difference in the flight, there are lots of flights being delayed and canceled these days. And you may actually want to just spend the extra little bit to get onto a big airline so that you're not going to be paying more if you do get delayed or you actually get more compensation right there. Um, so if you do have to make a claim, one big pitfall to avoid is just to, they do not resolve themselves. Airlines are not going to go out of their way to get you that credit. They're not going to be doing that. You should be not negotiating. They, they know how much they're supposed to give you and they're going to try to lowball you at first. And you need to tell them, this is actually what your rights are. And this is what you should be getting. And you shouldn't be waiting. You should be doing it right away. The longer you wait, the less likely that you're going to get. And it's also going to give the airline more power to negotiate. We have been planning your financial future, or we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox and Mitch Fox here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out about them at donfox.net and call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. We're talking about a lot of people uh, starting to travel again, and you've got some interesting points about car rentals and whether you should be insured or not. What are your thoughts on this, Don? Yeah, thanks, Scott. You know what? Great topic, Mitch. Uh, People are 
back out on the travel. The, the airports are full. And with those airports being full, they're also lining up at those, those rental car places again. And that was a bit of an issue uh, not long ago because uh, a lot of these places sold off their fleet and they're trying to buy them back. And with the supply issues, they can't even get them back. So you'll see the prices of car rentals have actually gone up. But just as a, you know, just when you line up there, you're, you finally get to the counter, you get to talk to the person at the car rental place. Then they ask you, uh, would you like insurance with that? And it's like, oh, wow, I don't know. I planned this trip. I did this. I, I think I'm covered. I'm not sure. How much is this insurance? Well, I did a quick quote on, on just one of random uh, rental car places. It was just a Nissan middle four-door car. Um, and it, it was interesting. The additional liability insurance would cost $13.31 a, month, a, a day. Personal accidental insurance was $6.30 a day. Uh, damage waiver was $31.99. And roadside protection was $7. It worked out to an additional $59 a day if you had it fully insured. Well, the car was only $95 a day to rent. So you're adding another, call it $60 on top of it. So about two thirds of the cost, which would just be insurance if you got it. And they don't really tell you much. They just simply say, oh yeah, it's great to have. You're fully protected. And they do a big sales job. And they really sometimes are quite pushy on you getting that insurance. It makes you doubt. Do you have enough? And so first of all, personal accident uh, covers you and your passengers in case it was an accident. A damage waiver, it covers your vehicle and personal belongings in in case of an accident. Liability, it really is for the just no different liability insurance for your when you drive your personal car is for the injury suffered both you and others um, and also the person's property uh, in, in case of an accident. And then there's um, loss damage is the collision damage. And so what I look at is, well, first thing is people think, well, I have a credit card. I'm pretty sure I have protection there. And there is good and bad credit cards. You know, there's certain ones that are better than others. And I was looking uh, at Amex Platinum is a $75,000 car. It will insure up to the damage of a car up to 75,000. That's a pretty good car, but a lot of them are only 50,000. And there's a lot of cars that cost more than 50000 so you're not covered. Uh, another thing is you have to make sure it, it works for out of country. So usually North America is fine, but it might not, not include Mexico. It may not have include Europe. Check your policy. So important. Um, make sure it does trucks. There was an, uh, an article I was reading that somebody rented a pickup truck. $4,200 damage in an accident was not covered. The policy that they had through their um, car insurance company did not cover pickup trucks in case you rented a pickup truck. It only covered cars. And so then I looked at my personal one. It does cover pickup trucks, but only for a certain tonnage. So it's not trying to get construction ones. It would more of a, a regular pickup truck and I 10,000 pounds carry and whatever that means, I'm not in construction. But at the end of the day, you, you should watch that. So all these ones, and then I, I did check my home insurance and they will often, they will cover, but there's always a deductible. So you have to watch how much deductible there is if you got something stolen out of your rental car. And so there, if you do get the one through the rental car agency, of course there's a cost per day, but there's only a $25 deductible. So there's lots of things you need to look at. Credit card, um, see what if you have a gold or a platinum card, usually they have coverage. They vary drastically. 
between one and another. And that's the trick. You really have to know. And then it turns out that the Amex card was good in Europe, but my personal car insurance did, was not good in Europe. It was only good in North America. And so luckily I had both, but you don't want to play with this because it's pretty expensive. You get an accident, this could be life-changing, um, particularly if it's liability. So let's say you are, do not have a car. Um, you have your driver's license, but you do not have an insured car at home. You really are rolling the dice if you're renting a car somewhere. You will likely need to get uh, pay for that coverage. Even if it's high, it's worth it. So the other, the other side of it is what if you're a high-risk driver and you're, you don't want another tally on your, on your record? So you may just be better off just pay for the insurance. And so that way your insurance company, you would run through them rather than your insurance company. If you ever do want to rent a sports car, I remember one, one time I was in Vegas so over a decade ago and we saw somebody driving a Porsche or a Lamborghini. There's a bunch of them. They're all renting these cars thinking, yeah, let's have a fun weekend. Well, they only rent, they only cover up to say 50 to 75,000. If you got in an accident with one of those, which costs well over $100,000 each, you could be paying out of pocket for that. And so all these is buyer beware. What I would recommend is peace of mind is so important when you finally do belly yourself up to that person and you're talking to that rental car. It's nice to feel confident that you have the proper coverage, even if you have to pay. And I did talk to a friend of mine. He paid an extra $25 a year. He was fully covered for a rental car no matter where. So there is these additions, but your own policy might have it. Do the homework and you'll feel great when you do finally get on that vacation. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another award-winning show. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.